Hello, Vinyl Crawl listeners. This is Alan, uh, the main host of the Vinyl Crawl. And I wanted to take a second before this episode to just say thanks for listening to the last episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. I've gotten a little bit of feedback uh, through the Modern Vinyl Twitter page about um, some people getting interested in Big Sugar, so that's great. That's exactly what I wanted out of it. Um, But I I also wanted to talk about uh, the guys that do our theme song, uh, a band called Mammal Dap. And they're trying to get on the NPR Tiny Desk series this year. There's a contest going on for 2016, and they've made a video and put it on YouTube and would love for you to share it around. Uh, the, the band's called Mammal Dap, and the song's called I Want to Be Your Friend. So just give a search on YouTube, and if you dig it, share it on Facebook and get people talking about it. They really want to be on uh, NPR, and I think they really deserve it. They're a great band. So like I was saying before, keep hitting us up on Twitter. Uh, feel free to... Send me any messages. It's at Mueller, M-E-E-L-E-R underscore time, T-I-M-E. Or send a message to uh, at Modern Vinyl and, and let us know if you're, if you're digging the podcast or what you'd like to hear differently. So uh, enjoy the show. All right, this is Alan. This is Matt. And we're continuing our vinyl crawl to the next pub. Yes. And the beer we are going to be drinking at this pub, if you don't know, this is kind of like a pub crawl, but with vinyl. What we do is we drink a craft beer, and we talk about a crafted album, and then we put them together, and at the end, sometimes we might be drunk. So the beer we're talking about is a tall grass buffalo sweat. Yes. Oatmeal cream stout. Yeah. Out of a 16-ounce can? Out of a 16-ounce can. It is, what What does this mean? 1.057 OG. It's OG, man. I know it's OG. It's original gangsta, <laughs> but what does 1.057 mean? Do you know what that means? OG? I've never seen that on a can. OG? I haven't either. <laughs> well, it is 1.057 OG, just so you know. <laughs> Uh, it's 20 IBU, which IBU has to do with, uh, what is it? You know this. Fill me in, Matt. What's <laughs> the IBUs? I keep seeing all, everybody talk about IBUs. What's IBUs? I'm more interested in the ABV. There we go. <laughs> so it is 5.0% ABV, yeah. which is pretty weak. It's weak it's for a weak. stout. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a pint can. Yeah, it needs <laughs> needs a little more, a little more alcohol. And a little less Brewed carbonation. Brewed canned by Tallgrass Brewing Co., Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah. Um, I like it. it. It's good. I like it. It's a drinkable beer. It is. It's nothing special. Nope. Like, I wouldn't go out of my way um, to get it. I'd try one, though. I would definitely try yeah. one. And you might really dig it. It's probably a... Because, uh, you know, cream styles, oatmeal cream styles, stuff like that is very specific to the person. A lot of people like, you know, the Founders Breakfast Stout and things like yeah, that. Very good beer. That's to me. That's like the standard. Like yeah. you judge all others by that one, in my opinion. But this one, this it, one's just a little weak. Up front, it's got a great taste. It does, yeah. And it just it's gone. Not not any. I don't get any like uh, chocolate off of it whatsoever. No. I get cream, but I don't get any chocolate off yeah. of it. Um, the mouth feels pretty. Uh, I don't know, it just it didn't stick around. It didn't stick on the palate. No. At nope. all. Um but it's good. I, I think that I think that it's worth a try. Yes. I'm glad we ordered it. 
At the pub. At the pub? Yeah. Yes. I think it was definitely well worth the order. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's available year-round, so... Do you know where you got this from? That one came from Nashville. Nashville, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's another one. Um, a Buffalo Sweat Vanilla Bean with Cinnamon. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's interesting. It is. If we finish this one and it's still going on, I'll, I'll order one up and we can... It says what what they the secret to their beer on the site for this milk stout is milk sugar, the way they do their milk and sugar together, gotcha. which it is very sweet. Yeah. I get a lot of sweetness off yeah. of it, um, but I just don't get enough of the... It says it has a definitive espresso chocolate aroma and flavor. I don't, mm. I'm not, I'm not feeling any of that. Not feeling the espresso. Mm-mm. No. I mean, I kind of maybe smell a little bit, but I don't get it on the flavor. There is a hint of a it. A hint of it? Yeah. Just swish it around a little. Give it. Let it breathe. <laughs> Let it breathe. <laughs> Uh, it says it's good to cook with, and I could probably see that. It's not too strong, so I could definitely yeah. see it probably being good to cook with. Most beers are good to cook with. Yeah. Right. Well, while you're cooking, you just right. drink the beer. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. correct. Is yes. That, have I been doing it wrong? I don't know. How have you been doing it? Well, that's while I'm cooking, I drink. Right. No, you're right on time. Every Like, I have beer with every meal. Right. Like, I make every meal with beer. But the beer that I'm using to make the meal is when I'm drinking right. the beer. Sure. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Breakfast stout in the morning. Lunch stout at, <laughs> at noon. Right. Supper stout around six. Yeah, it's that's the way we do. So the album we're talking about, yeah. since this beer is from Manhattan, Kansas, <laughs> I'm grasping. And it's um, called Buffalo Stout, which is in New Buffalo York. Is Buffalo is a place New York. in New York. Manhattan is... Also in New York. Yeah. Uh, is Blondie's Parallel Lines. Right. See? It's parallel. <laughs> What's parallel? The beer. And- oh, okay. I, I'm following you. I yeah. feel you. So this is a 1978 album by Blondie. Uh, iconic cover. You can't... Everybody's oh, seen yeah. that cover. Yeah. With the Classic. band all in black and white and then her just in the white dress with yeah. the black and white bars behind them. Um third album by Blondie. So they were kind of moving away from the early CBGB's punk rock sound. Yep. Trying to maybe go a little bit more mainstream. But and the thing is though, did they really ever fit in the CBGB's? They you know they were kind of they they were almost like the cousin of CBGB's yeah. a little bit. They were different. They were they definitely were different. different than the rest, but I mean all they those were, bands are so different. Yeah, true. You know, like Dead Boys was different than television. Television was different than Blondie. Blondie was different than Talking Heads. It was kind of, I feel like Talking Heads and Blondie might have a little bit more in common. Yeah. Because they both kind of started that new wave sound. Yeah. Um, Dead Boys were straight punk. Like that was, that was the punk rock sound. Um, But I think if you look up the definition of new wave, you can just use parallel lines as the definition of new wave. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the the songs on there, um, I love. Let me just say, I love the title or not the title track, but the first track, "Hanging oh, on the Telephone." Yeah. "Hanging on the Telephone" never got the credit it deserved. Like it no. didn't get played nowhere near as much as it should have. It comes out the gate exactly how you should start an album. You drop the needle on that thing, and it's oh, she's like she's yeah. telling you, 
to go fuck yourself from like right. the first groove of that record. Yeah. Because she's basically saying she's waiting for you to talk to her on the telephone. And yeah. She's, the whole song is her just telling you off, like telling telling a dude off. It No no specific dude, just dudes in general. In general, yeah. But I really like the way she sings that one because it's really odd. Like yeah. Her, like the way she ends every sentence is kind of just weird. Yeah. That's the only way to describe it. I was reading a little bit um, about how they made the album. And I guess their engineer was like just completely fed up with them because they're all so young. They they fought like cats and dogs in the studio. Um, they were just really immature and like starting shit with each other. Yeah. And it was just like a really terrible atmosphere to be in. And I think that translates into the songs a little bit because most of the songs carry a pretty like fuck you attitude. Like it's it's a very even getting into like the big song, like one way or another. Yeah. It's a big fuck you. Like those are. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's, she's it, saying one way or another, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But, um, I love hanging on the telephone. I, that's, I would say out of all the tracks on there, that's probably my favorite. That's my favorite. I Hands just love down. it. It's the perfect open to an album. It is. Yeah. And, but then you have the beauty of heart of glass. Yeah. You know, which at the time, uh, I mean, they tapped into that disco market. Well, and that was the thing, like, you know, Heart of Glass is considered a disco song. Absolutely. Yeah. There's been so many 12-inch remixes of it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, you know, I was listening to it today. Is it really a disco? I mean, it has the disco beat. Yeah. But it feels kind of new wave, too. Oh, yeah. And, and... I don't know. There was straight up disco stuff, but there's a lot of that, um, that heart of glass sound that they called disco back then. But it is very new wave. The thing about disco to me, like, and I'm talking about the worst kinds of disco, like, like Miko Star Wars disco. That oh kind God, of, that kind of terrible disco um, is. It sounds so plastic, and yeah. there's like no real emotion to it. No. Whereas, Heart of Glass. Oh man, there's all kinds of emotion. Yeah, there's so much going on in that song. Yeah. So, this is the album where it all came together yeah. for Blondie, right. honestly. And they kept it for a couple of years, and then it just disintegrated. They were kind of coming into parallel lines. They were kind of like underground darlings. Like yeah. everybody knew who they were because Debbie Harry was. You know, she was easy on the eyes, and she was oh, fronting yeah. a band. And she yeah. had attitude at the front of a band. Um, she was hot, and she had an attitude. Oh yeah, and that made she's the template for the for the front woman with with attitude. Like, yeah, she is her, the template. Her and Chrissy Hine to me right. are the two. Like I don't give a shit. I'll spit yeah. your face. Not 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 as far as uh, they're not quite as like. <laughs> who's the girl that um. They used to like have saws and shit on stage. Wendy O. Williams. Yeah, Wendy. Well, they're not that far, like <laughs> as like scary. Like they're a, gonna actually hurt that's you. That's a different kind of hotness, you know. The, yeah. the electrical tape on the nipples. <laughs> right. But I was like, they're a little bit safer version of that, right? Like right. they're, they're yeah. not to the point of like you're scared and you should probably leave. Yeah, because something's gonna get ripped off. Yeah. I, I yeah. <laughs> and it's not gonna be pretty. Right. But Debbie Harry is kind of like she reminds me of like maybe 
uh, maybe what Joan Jett was trying to do and that sort of thing, but yeah. with a little more like glamour to it, like and a cla- little more and class, a little more glamour and class, less yeah. punk. I don't, yeah, I don't want to take anything away from Joan Jett. No, but Joan's like Joan's her own thing. She's like, yeah. you know, she's punk. She's yeah. she's just yeah. her own thing. Whereas Debbie Harry, to me, knew that she had, she knew she was pretty. She knew she could use that to her advantage as a front woman, and I feel like that. She used that to empower her as a right. front woman. Yeah. Yep. So that, and I think she set that precedent for lots of women to come after. Because mm-hmm. I mean, lots of them look at her as a as a role model for that. Oh, sort of definitely. Thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she they kind of been underground the CBGB scene. They'd done some you know meandering kind of punk rock kind of stuff. They had a few small, really minor hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Parallel Lines comes out. And, and it it explodes. Yeah, it did because Heart of Glass and One Way or Another both were just massive. Yeah, like massive, massive songs. Um, That's what, do you still like One Way or Another? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think in this album they found their niche of how to create great songs that could reach the radio. Right, but they could also still do do it on their terms. So, yeah, okay, it's a crafted disco tune, but it's a Blondie song, and it sounds good, and it's got depth. Have you heard the early demo of it before? No. So, so, so let me let you hear just like two seconds of it while we're talking. The early demo was called Once I Had a Love, the Disco Song, was, was what they called it early on. Um, check this. I'll let you hear just a touch. I'm curious what you'll think. Maybe. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it's not going to play. But anyhow, um, it started as a, like, here you go. Here you can hear just a little bit. So it's wow. It's like a rock and roll song. Yeah. But you can see, yeah, like, and it's still good. But it's more like a a drums, guitar, bass, right. vocals instead of this like crafted thing. So that was that was how they started. Their their genesis was still that punk rock thing. It was, yeah. And they were like, "Well, this drum beat sounds pretty cool," and I'm pretty sure that's why they called it like the disco song because yeah, of that that, that hi hat drum beat. Yeah. Because the guitar is very just like normal new wavy punk kind of guitar. And they're probably going off what they did in the past of like, right. oh, here we go. How about this? But you know that producer heard that and went, and said, guys, I got uh-uh. an idea. We love your vocals. We're keeping that. Yeah. Dig the drum beat. Cut the guitar. Y'all. And let's yeah. make this a little more disco oriented. Right. Which I think was the right decision. Absolutely. I mean, I like that early version just because I like rock music. Right. But I can't deny that the, the album version is... Fantastic. Well, and honestly, they could have been to a point. I don't know a whole lot on the backstory and all that as far as the band Blondie or Debbie Harry, but they could have been at a point. This is a third album. Could have been make or break. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, guys, we need a hit here. Yeah, I'm sure the record company was wanting them to do yeah. something. Same thing, you know, happened to Springsteen up to Born to Run. It right. was like that was the like album. Something's got to happen. Yeah, or you're not going to make another album. So let me ask you a really interesting question. Um, for Blondie dance music, 
Heart of Glass or Atomic? Which one? Which one do you like better? Uh, well, for Blondie dance music, because they're both in the same vein. They're both yeah. kind of you know they're both dance floor songs. They're both had twelve inch remixes. They were both kind of the same thing. Heart of Glass is iconic. That's like is a, is Atomic not iconic? No, it is. I don't know. Why don't Why don't you just release it as a double A side? They're oh, both shit. hits. <laughs> I don't think the world could handle it. I don't think the world could handle yeah. Atomic on side A and then Heart of Glass on the other side A. That's I don't your think nonstop. That, I don't think the world could dance. handle it. Yeah. How do you How do you fare with Rapture, which came later on? Like, how do you? I do you it. still like it? Do you still yeah. like Rapture? Well, it sounds dated now. But listening back to it, it's like, wow, that was groundbreaking that they did that. Yeah, it really is. It, it still kind of feels groundbreaking just yeah. because how weird it is. I remember buying it off the shelf as a 45. Yeah. You know, I mean, that they were really hitting it then because with Call Me, which was a great rock tune that yeah, they did. Yeah, they, they had a window of about four years yeah. where they just really tore it up. And then they, they figured out how to do it on both ends like call me was a rock tune hanging on the telephone rock tune heart of glass rapture the tide is high it's almost doo-wop yeah you the know tide is high I mean, is an it's oddball. weird that's an oddball in the mix it's strange but um it all worked on an album you know so let me blow your mind a little bit more or, or not even blow your mind let's see if you made the same um i'm not gonna say realization but the same correlation yeah. that i made fade away and radiate that's that's kind of like a meandering, uh, proggy almost. Yeah. Like Roxy music. Right. It is Roxy music. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. I feel even the way she sings that song is how Brian Ferry sang those early Roxy music songs, and I've heard her in interviews say that she was kind of obsessed with Brian Ferry because he was the shit. Oh in yeah. In the early to mid seventies or even late 70s, yeah. Brian Ferry was like every woman's dream. Like, they yeah. loved me. He came out in leisure suits. And yeah. he, like, he just exuded this, don't give a shit, I'm high class. Right. Like, the high class dude coming out singing with like that, he, he, his voice, there's nobody else sounds like him. No. And no. when I was listening to this, this album today and when I got to fade, fade Away and Radiate, I was like, man, this is really like... Roxy first second album kind of kind of yeah, thing. That's true. And it's that's probably at a point where they were doing different stuff and like Heart of Glass, you know, she probably said, "Hey, well, yeah, let's I do mean, this. first wave of Roxy was already done by 78. Oh, yeah. Eno had already jumped ship. Yeah. So first wave, so you were just Manzanera and Brian Ferry by the end of the 70s. Yeah. Which was not as good as the early Roxy no. stuff. But Fade Away and Radiate is to me the most experimental song yeah. on the album. Yep. And it it sounds like it could have been a Roxy music oh, it's, outtake to it's me. It's definitely a nod to I mean, you can tell the influence spilling over. Which Roxy music is kind of um I mean it you can draw a straight line between that and New Wave as well. Yeah. Like a lot of Roxy stuff, like Love is a Drug and things mm-hmm. like that. You can you can make you could easily make a correlation between Love is a Drug and 
and Heart of Glass or Atomic or one oh, of those yeah. tracks. Brian, but Brian Ferry was not going to play CBGBs. No. He's too good for that. Yeah, he was. <laughs> no, he that yeah. was his thing, man. I mean, it was it was all about class. Like he just he came out in the suit and that was that. I mm-hmm. mean, you know. He was kind of the the big deal of the band. And you know Brian Eno had feathers and crazy hair and shaved forehead and all that <laughs> stuff. So he kind of balanced it out between absolutely batshit and and like business casual. Biz, yeah. <laughs> Which is what made them so great was it was such right. a weird group of guys. You got a dude in platform shoes playing saxophone. You got Eno over there like plugging random shit into a computer trying to make bleeps and bloops. Right. And then you got Brian Ferry trying to hold it together crooning, <laughs> crooning through right. the songs. <laughs> it is the most batshit combination and yeah. it sold and it was well received and that's what's yeah. so crazy about it. Yeah, that's true. But I also think like um, the, uh, the Roxy Live album, what year did that come out? The it's like Viva something or something yeah. like that or Manifesto. That's the live album, isn't it? Is Manifesto the live one? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I I gotta Manifesto say that probably was later. Like, wasn't that like early '80s, late '70s? Well, and that's what I'm trying to get at. Is I gotta think that, um, the Roxy album. Let's see. So this Blondie album '78. Yeah. Manifesto '79. You got to think that, yeah, Viva. Viva's the live album. Okay. That's 76. Yeah. You got to think that Debbie Harry. There's some bleed over you there. You got to think that she's hearing this yeah. when when she goes to do Parallel Lines. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's my opinion on it because I hear, I hear Do the Strand. I hear In Every Home is a Heartache. I hear all these Roxy sounds yeah. on Parallel Lines. Right. I mean, that's just... Hey, and it's not a bad thing. No, not at all. Took that influence and made great songs and a great album. It's a bit unfortunate that, like, I think what set Blondie apart and maybe made it more palatable than some of the Roxy stuff was they had a lot better look than Roxy had, for one. Yeah. I mean, Roxy was like... (laughs) It was just weird. It was just weird. Yeah. they, They would not all... No. Go, okay, they here's couldn't. what we've got to do. Yeah, no, they couldn't all line up in front of, like, you know, black and white bars. Right, and where the guys, all, the band wears black jackets. And, and they also never had a song that was as well put together as, like, Heart of Glass. Yeah. They yeah. never had one that would, like, come together that smoothly. Right. It was always a little disjointed. Yeah. Yeah. So where, like, in the pantheon of classic rock, because I, I still put parallel lines in classic rock. Do you? I do. Huh. Um, I think one way or another puts it into classic rock territory for me. But they don't get played on classic rock radio. Oh, surely one way or another does. Surely. Yeah. Heart of know. Glass, not so much. Yeah. I've actually heard Heart of Glass on like AM radio and stuff. Oh, yeah. That one's... I could believe that. Yeah. Um. But like, do you consider it classic rock? Do you would you put it in that, or do you consider it new wave? I, I consider it new wave, honestly. Um, and I and I think that Blondie gets cheated too, in the grand scheme of the history of music or rock and roll or whatever you want to call it. That like 
they don't get their nod, their fair shake of like, wow, you know, because everybody either thinks of Rapture or Tide is High or something. Oh, yeah, that was great. Good top 40 stuff. Yeah. And not, oh, wow, they did some great crafted music in the studios. And there was something, I think it was the same thing that I saw her talking about Brian Ferry in. I wanted to talk about this because I was thinking about it this morning. When I was pretty young, maybe like 10, 12 years old probably, um, PBS showed a documentary about early punk rock. Yeah. And I happened to record it on VHS because I'm old. I'm a lot older than probably a lot of our listeners. You're pretty old. I'm, I'm an old dude. Yeah. I'm 30, 32 now. Yeah. So pretty old. Getting up there, man. It's getting tough. Knees starting to give out. And I start taking my pills for blood pressure. Anyhow, there was a... Um, I had a VHS that I recorded, which is a tape that you stuck into a VCR. It's kind of like a TiVo, but but is it it's, like Beta? Oh, that's that's way too rich for my blood. <laughs> no, no, I had VHS. I did not have Beta, but I recorded it on PBS and I wore it out because I watched it over and over again because it was the history of of punk rock. Now, it, it's it was probably a little condensed. It wasn't quite as good as maybe some newer documentaries yeah. but I remember seeing it was the first time I'd ever seen television and that kind of blew me away right. I, and I, and then I never listened to television again <laughs> until you gave me Marky Moon at the shop actually I just brought it to you and was like hey is this any good and you're like just buy take it, it. <laughs> now buy it like right. you should give me your money now and right. take this home yeah. you, thank me I later think, <laughs> I, think your, I think your actual statement was yeah it's a five star album like that <laughs> <laughs> There's like no hesitation. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a five star album. Just take it. Um, like, but, you don't already have it. Yeah. But television was on the dock, and Richard Voidod and the, or Richard Hell and the Voidods, or and yeah. the Voivods. Voidods. Voidods. Yeah, I get them Whatever. confused. Whatever. Yeah. Good but stuff, though. Richard Hell and television. And then I remember seeing Blondie and thinking at the time, like, what the fuck is Blondie doing in yeah. this? What does Blondie have to do with punk rock? But like they played that terror to shreds or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I kind of get it. They yeah. were punk rock. They, they were get part in there of that a little bit, yeah. And you know, Debbie Harry's look was a lot different in the CBGB days. She yep. was a lot less put together. Yeah, she was a lot more like just ragged looking, like she had right. slept a few days and just a little rough. Still has the dress and yeah. all that, but it's, but it's a little different. Yeah. So I was just thinking about that this morning about how odd it was that Blondie went from I don't. Other than maybe the Talking Heads, I don't know any other bands that come out of CBGBs and go that mainstream. Yeah, the Ramones never went that mainstream. No, right? No, they didn't. Um, but uh, and the Talking Heads did go mainstream in the eighties, like they yeah. went yep. seriously mainstream. But that's, I just thought it was interesting that they would be in a punk documentary, but they really deserved to be there. They for deserved their early to be style. there. Yeah, but they only had two albums before this one right. when they were not punk anymore. No, but. CBGB's was kind of going down somewhat by this time, and then the early well, 80s New York hit, was kind of going down at that time. It that wasn't, was, yeah. I mean, was, New York was a pretty volatile place in the it was late Studio 70s. Fifty Four and discotheques and and all that. Right. Cool. So you you love the album? Five. I star love album? the album. Is it five star? I don't know if it's necessarily five star. It's personally my favorite Blondie album, and it might be just because I love hanging on the telephone so much. I do too. And the rest of it, it's a complete album, 
you know, maybe it's four and a half. Yeah, I love hanging on telephone though. You know, I love that song. I can listen to that song at any time of the day. Yeah. I wish it got more radio play like the rest of the songs do, but yeah. Maybe that's what maybe that's what makes it so good. Maybe that's true. why we like it so much. That's true. Yep. What about is it a five star for you? No. Yeah. No, it's like a three and a half to four for me. Really? Yeah. At I, least four. Mm, depends on <laughs> depends on my mood when I'm listening to it. <laughs> I I mean, I like out of the uh, how many songs are on there? Out of the s- uh, twelve songs on there, yeah, I I really like three, and then I kind of like five. That's crazy. There are twelve songs on there. It's a lot, and yeah, there is some. It filler. is a lot. There there's is little, some filler. There's a little filler. Like, it's a great album, though. It's a good Sunday s- Girls. A good track too. That's another good one to listen to. It's a I good like. Saturday night album. Yeah. That's oh God. Yeah. If you got people over, it's a Saturday you drop the needle on hanging on the telephone. Yep. Yep. Yeah.